Hi, I'm Emma. Hi, I'm Jenny. <laughs> and this is Have You Heard Of, the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all of those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. This week's Jenny's pick. Yes, it is. I was. That's odd. I was just told this week is Emma's. It's not. But it is it's my you. pick this week, and we're going to be talking about the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor? Um, but first, Emma's going to do some unshareables. And for those of us, those of you who haven't listened before, unshareables are things, I know, hopefully I know what this segment is about, (laughs) unshareables are things that are technically shareable, but for the thousandth time, Jenny and I don't live in the same city, so it's harder to share long distance. I am going to do two things really quickly. Mm -hmm. One is a bit of a cheat, so I'll start with the one that isn't. Uh, I am, wanted to share a theater production that happened in Toronto over a year ago. Like, I'm talking fall 2018. (laughs) We are currently in spring 2020. But I have not stopped thinking about it. I love it so much. Um, It is a musical called Dr. Silver, A Celebration of Life. And it was produced by Outside the March and the Musical Stage Company, two theatre companies that are very prominent in Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, Outside the March tends to do a lot of immersive theatre, which Dr. Silver is. Uh, It is, you are all, the audience is, there we go, the audience is in attendance for the memorial of a man named Dr. Silver, who is the leader of a cult church music school. Wait, who believes that? Did you tell me about this when it happened? I did tell you about this, but was I'm this... telling you about it again. I think I remember sitting outside of like a thrift store, sitting on a bench, you talking to me about this, and I'm pretty sure this is what sparked our idea to make the podcast. Wasn't it? Maybe. The passage it's... of time is wild. I think it is. Because, okay, so history time. Jenny and I have been trying to do this podcast also for over a year since the... Oh my god! Oh my god, it is actually because we made... So we had this whole conversation about wanting to do a podcast. And we, like, made an email and a Twitter account right there. And we recorded episodes. But, um... We ran into some trouble with our very first episode because we weren't really prepared emotionally for what happened if we didn't like what the other person recommended. (laughs) And for our very first episode, we did two things. And it was like a three hour long us being like, hmm, well, actually, I think I disagree. But like the most polite, boring audio you could imagine. (laughs) No, girl, it was over four hours long. I I had to edit that. It was a lot. We edited it down like, originally to three after that, and then we're like, no, let's re-record. It was a whole thing. But yeah, I It was a whole thing. This was when we started deciding to do it. It was after this and recommendation. And yeah, because I saw this, I saw this play in October 2018. Um, I know the lost, the lost pilot of Have You Heard Of, of, <laughs> God, us arguing over the 2016-2017 Tony Award season. Yeah. Whew, that was a fun time. Oh. Um, One day people will hear it, maybe. We'll see. Maybe maybe we'll do it again, because I think if we both went back, we'd have different opinions, but maybe not. Anyways, okay, so Dr. Silver, A Celebration of Life is this very strange, immersive musical theater experience, and yeah, the audience uh, are these people who are attending the funeral of Dr. Silver, the leader of a cult slash music school, and he is a man who believed that if you were able to achieve the perfect sound 
you would ascend to a higher level of being. Mm. And uh, the main characters are like the best friend, uh, Dr. Silver's wife, his two daughters, and everyone in the cast is dancing around the fact that there was once also a son who left the family, died, mm-hmm. you don't really know, and the plot is just about these, this family and their very tense relationship and this, is he crazy? Is he not? What is, What was Dr. Silver trying to achieve now that he's gone? Um, they do a lot of toasts throughout the show, so you and the audience are given like little cups of Kool-Aid, and then at the end, they're planning on drinking the Kool-Aid, which, mm. and then the sun walks in, and you don't know if it's, like, the ghost of the sun, and it's very scary, and but not scary is not the right word. It was very tense. It was very, the plot was, as I'm telling you the plot, I'm like, not a lot happens in the story itself, but it is told so efficiently, and it was in this fantastic venue. It was in an old church, and it was such a good show, and I, I keep hoping... I really wish there were more Canadian musicals mm-hmm. that had a large impact. Like, we've had certainly some big things. We've had The Dratley Chaperone, which started as a Toronto Fringe show and grew into oh, a Tony Award winner. Same That's from, cool. yeah, uh, Come From Away, obviously, is the most mm-hmm. Canadian musical out there. And so I keep hoping that someone is going to revive Dr. Silver. Mm. Uh, if only because one of my greatest regrets is not bootlegging that show in any way. <laughs> so that I, I, I. They released the audio for one song, and then there's one other song that I can remember called The Parable of the of the Errant Bassoonist, uh, but I don't remember any of the words other than it's the parable of the Errant Bassoonist, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's a very fun show, and it's it's physically impossible for me to share, but, but I, yeah, I guess local two years Canadian of theaters original theater yeah um yeah let's go out and support your local theater companies please because i haven't stopped thinking about this show for a year and a half yeah and i love it and now i'm I'm, now we're running long but i'm gonna ram this other one in first okay my next (laughs) one is definitely a cheat and i won't go into it too much because maybe this will be a future episode because it is actually very shareable but it is 20 percent unshareable and that 20 percent of what I'm about to describe to you is bad. <laughs> but only, I did the math. It's 20, uh, 20, 20 to 25%. Oh. Um, because it is the AMC drama Halt and Catch Fire. Yes. And this is not an original thought from me. Uh, it is a thought I had when I originally tried watching it when it aired, I believe originally in 2014. Um, and certainly if you Google Halt and Catch Fire, you will see a lot about like, a lot of articles with titles like How Halt and Catch Fire Got Great When Nobody Was Looking. Why Nobody Is Watching Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> like, if nobody was watching this show, nobody cared about this show at all while it was on. But it premiered on AMC right after Mad Men ended. And you could tell, because again, this is not a thought, this is just like a general consensus amongst the television criticism mm-hmm. community, that they were trying to do Mad Men 2.0. Instead of Mad Men uh, advertising 60s, blah, 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 it becomes computer engineering in the early 80s as we are at the this dawn of a new age of technology and people are mm. suddenly able to have home computers and the internet is not even on anyone's radars yet but that comes up later in the show because the show spans about 13 years mm. and the first season uh it stars lee pace who's one of my favorite actors 
And I tried watching the show and I was like, oh, this is very boring. I don't care about anything. I don't know what they're talking about. I'm not a computer engineer and I did not care. And I kept watching and I got about halfway through the first season and there were certainly some things where I was like, hmm, very interested. Uh, and ultimately I was just like, you know what, I don't care. Story AMC, not for me. Uh, flash forward several years later, and I really like the actress Mackenzie Davis. Uh, I have now seen several terrible movies for her. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate, I have seen for her multiple times. I wouldn't consider it terrible, I would consider it fantastic. But she is in Halt and Catch Fire, and a friend of mine was watching it and was like, No, here's the thing everyone hates the first season because it's so boring and Mad Men 2.0, Diet Mad Men, Mad Men Light. Mm -hmm. uh, bad men um but <laughs> i think all of the reviewers and the audience responded very well so the, in in halt and catch fire season one the two main characters are joe mcmillan and uh gordon clark mm. and these two men they're very conflicted like joe lee pace's character is very dreamy and mysterious and don drapery but you don't care but a lot of people were drawn towards the characters of um, one programmer who ends up dating Joe named Cameron, and she's really cool, and Gordon's wife, Donna, who's also an engineer. And so basically AMC renewed the series for a second season, and they were like, listen, nobody likes your show, but they like Donna and Cameron. And then the show just does a complete hard reset in season two, where they're like, oh, we're going to focus on Donna and Cameron? And it covers just you know, 10 years of the, these women's life, lives and their relationship and their friendship and how they work really well together. And then mm. they have how they argue and how they just work so well together. And that at times means it's impossible for them to work and not fight. Yeah. And it's, it's just so interesting and empathetic towards women. And it's, I cannot believe that a show that was created by two men named Chris has, uh, <laughs> is so insightful into the lives of women and mothers and it's a fantastic series and I love it and that is just a general spiel that I've been giving anyone who can listen but now I'm also targeting it directly at Jenny because this entire series is on Netflix. Uh, I'm looking you dead in the eyes right now. This entire yeah. series is on Netflix and you could just skip the first, there's 10 episodes in each season so it's tw the first season is 25% of the series but I would say maybe watch the first episode watches uh i think it's the fourth episode where donna and cameron meet for the first time and then the finale just so you have some context and yeah. then you get to watch two women basically create online gaming and it's so good Hull oh i love fire Hull i love catch when... fire that's not what the theme song is <laughs> i Hull. like when me <laughs> did you just kick <laughs> no, I just full body seized, but I'm sitting crisscross applesauce, so if I, I think I That's did why I was to kick, but I just kicked my own legs. Because <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> um, I was going to say, I really like when media has women involved in like, like steam, so like science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and then if you want uh -huh. steam, you can put art in there as well, which is Yes, important. more women in STEM. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just have a good voice that's... come from somewhere. It was very odd. Everyone um, at my house yeah. is home, so like there's sounds coming from everywhere, and it's bizarre. Yeah, this is our our first episode we've recorded in the the Corona quarantine era. Yes. Um, yeah, but nothing we can say about that that's not already been said. Let's keep talking about Mister Rogers, or let's start talking about Mister <laughs> Rogers. Okay. Yes. So the the 
thing I'm bringing forward today is the 2018 documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? This documentary I watched uh, last summer while I was house-sitting for a co-worker, and they said I could use their Netflix, so I was looking through and didn't know what I really wanted to watch, and then I saw this, and I remember seeing trailers for it, and I'm someone who is obsessed with trailers. I you sometimes like a trailer more than the movie, and anytime I go to the theater, I already know all the trailers that are playing because I just look up tr movie trailers. I actually used to want to create movie trailers when I was younger. I thought that would be a really cool job. Can, can we digress briefly? Yeah. What is your favorite movie trailer? Oh, oh that's a hard one. I... I know, like, for me, the the one that came up in my mind right away is the first Hobbit trailer. Just because, <gasps> like, with seeing, like, the mountain and, like, the singing and The Hobbit was my favorite book growing up is um, one of the first books I was able to finish that was a chapter book. And I have a special place in my heart for it. So when it became a movie and I got to see these characters come to life and... I was always a fan of Tolkien movies, and I got to see it. I was very excited. Every time I went to the theater and it would play, I would, like, grab the person beside me and be like, ah, it's happening. Like, it's, it's that tension and that excitement. It gives you a little bit of a teaser. You know it's happening. And that sense of adventure. I love how they move, like, music and action all in one. That was, those are. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Misty Mountains teaser is a really good one. Oh, oh yeah. And teaser trailers are now a thing. Anywho, so I really liked it and I wanted to see it in theaters. Um, however, life happened and I never got to see it. And so that was watching it on Netflix. Can I interrupt one more time? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk about my favorite trailer, which is the trailer for Mission Impossible 6 Fallout. Um, because I love the Mission Impossible movies so much. And it is an impeccable trailer. Um, it's got Angela Bassett does that really perfect line reading. You've seen Mission Impossible 6, right? Yes. Okay, so Angela Bassett does that really good line reading where basically she just makes fun of Tom Cruise for not letting his team die because he's now endangered the entire world. Like, um, that's the job. I'm not as cool as Angela Bassett, but just the way she delivers those three words is perfect. And then it's got Henry Cavill doing that weird, like, fist pump thing in time to the moon. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, where he's beating on his chest in time to he's, like, reloading his punches, and it's just so good and the music is perfect and it's just the culmination of an entire franchise that has been sneaking up on you with one of the greatest love stories told over 20 years and that's just like anyways mission impossible 6 taylor oh, so good okay that also that just out. reminded me now. of how excited like every avengers trailer that came out like i analyzed the shit out of all of those like i would pause and watch like theories about what that means and if that will happen and how even in the newest one, they, like, what is seen in the trailer was adjusted after because this movie hadn't come out yet, so you didn't know that Thor had this. And how they changed it and, like, analyzing it is so... Oh. Yes. I love trailers. I love the best. That's why you okay. never go late to a movie. You have to go early for the pre-show, and then you also Tanner. gotta see all the trailer. Tanner! <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Anywho, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> so I watched it and I I don't know what I was expecting because I remember seeing the trailer and the trailer almost made me cry. And then after watching it, I had this mixed feelings of appreciation, admiration, 
sorrow and being hopeful. It was such like a weird combination of feelings after watching the movie as someone who has dedicated most of their lives to like children and education and just seeing how Fred Rogers pretty much moved a generation into caring is so inspiring, especially because I didn't watch his show as a kid. Like, that wasn't something I watched. My sister watched it, but I was a huge Barney fan, so I just watched Barney constantly. So I don't remember ever watching it. And then seeing all of his work from the beginning of how it started and the philosophy behind it and the way he made sure that it was real enough for the kids, but made sure to separate the real and the fantasy and all these things. And I was kind of... Not upset, but thought, I wish I watched this as a kid, because that would have helped me a lot. I I had heard of this documentary. Had I heard of this? Yes. I had heard of this documentary. Um, I'm, re- I'm re- This is going to make me sound uh, like a fool. I don't watch documentaries. I don't, like, read nonfiction. I am very much a fiction girl um, mm. through and through, like... The last documentary I saw in theaters was, I think, March of the Penguins in, like, 2006. So I don't think I I've actually seen another documentary in theaters, either. I don't think I've seen one like, in theaters. I, I can't think of anything. Um, anyways. But I also, yeah, I never watched Mr. Rogers growing up. Uh, I've watched some Daniel Tiger uh, as, as far as his legacy goes. But growing up, I was very much a, a Mr. Dress-Up girl. I got to meet Mr. Dress-Up when he came to <gasps> Yellowknife when I was little. It was a huge deal. Uh, not to brag, but uh, <laughs> I met Mr. Dress-Up. Um, but yeah, I have I had no culture context for Mr. Rogers, uh, really, aside from Daniel going into this documentary. When you watched it, what was, what did you think? This is just a preference, this, preface. This is a little bit of a different episode than the other ones we've had because this has a little bit more of a, a somber feel, some in a way. It's more of a uh, accidentally timely. We uh, like we mentioned earlier, like we've been wanting to do a podcast together for about a year and a half, and aside from we did like a good like recording a couple episodes and then realizing the format wasn't working for us life happened and it ended up being about six to eight months before we actually started recording again this past january and even longer until we started putting episodes out um but we made a list very early on about what we wanted to talk about and what movies we wanted to recommend and won't you be my neighbor now is just accidentally lining up with you know watching a documentary about a man who was really good at taking scary and confusing events and breaking them down in ways that children could understand and not just Mm -hmm. that they could understand because children understand things already children are very observant and and know when their parents are freaked out or confused about about something and so as we were a weekend basically to win coronavirus not not panic because it's certainly not unfounded but coronavirus action started in north america Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah, we, we we talked about how in the documentary they talked about he never shied away from intense topics like assassination, divorce, death, and all of these things. And them showing they show a clip of 
Daniel Striped Tiger, the puppet, uh, for people who have watched Daniel Tiger like me. Uh, Daniel's dad, Dad Tiger, mm -hmm. uh, is the original Daniel Striped Tiger with the balloon blowing up and mm. not knowing what that clip was leading into. And then we do the reveal that it's about Bobby Kennedy. I, I just started crying and I'm someone with no emotional attachment to Bobby mm -hmm. Kennedy beyond the Lindsay Lohan movie. Like, sorry, that sounds like very bad and very bad taste. Um, continue. But yeah, it's, it's interesting because those types of connections, it's because like you were saying, kids, you can't just shy things away from children because they'll see it. They'll see pandemic. They'll see things happening. Like they, Mr. Rogers came back and did a couple specials after nine 11 happened. And I remember as a child, what was happening during that time. And I was confused. And I didn't know what was happening. And having someone tell you like, you ha your parents are there for you. They will keep they will keep care of it. They talk about in the documentary that he always tells kids that the parents will deal with it and you are safe. And how sometimes parents didn't feel comfortable with that because they felt like there wasn't everything that they could shield their child from. And the world's such a big place and it's hard to keep your child safe from everything in the world. But at the same time, that security and letting them know that they can still be kids and that there's people looking out for them is so valuable. They do a really, this documentary does a really good job of showing Mr. Rogers as just a, a person. And they talk a little bit about people looking, oh, is there a dark side to him? Is he hiding something? And, and there isn't a dark side to Mr. Rogers, but that doesn't mean that he's a very placid manner that mm. he was, you know, always at a, a even keel. He is someone who, who was angry or was scared and was was not afraid to talk about feeling isolated or about his childhood where he was being bullied and and he wasn't afraid to talk to children about that either and I think one thing they mentioned really well is that he just he remembered what it was like to be a kid and I think it's so important to to observe him as a special character of someone who just was so authentic uh, mm -hmm. to what he was feeling and how he was presenting himself and in his work yeah, the entire time when you see him interact with kids, you could you could see that whoever he was talking to, they had his undivided attention. One child was giving him a picture that they drew, and he looked at them, and instead of saying, oh, thank you, and just putting it away and walking on, he said, this is amazing, you, you drew this, and made eye contact, and said yes, and thank you so much for this. I'm going to keep it safe. And I love when I can see people who are doing their passions and are excited about what they're doing. And you can tell that he loves being with children and he's giving them that attention. Because if you've ever worked with a child or been with children, they will come to you and they will ask you a question or they want your attention. So many things. It's just they want that love and attention for them and you could see that he would give that to children and he talked about being on tv was a connection between one person when he does it he's looking at one person even though he can't actually see them it is that type of connection of looking at someone and being there is valuable because he was on pbs and pbs almost got completely cut and there's a whole scene in the movie of him having to go, was it on trial or on, I was... So he wasn't on trial. They were going to mm -hmm. cut funding to PBS and PBS was asking for $20 million out of the, the budget, the federal budget. 
and they were not going to get it. I think it was going to be reduced by half. And this was before, I was reading up a little bit more about this, but this was before Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood even really, really popped off as a hit. But PBS sent him as a representative saying, you are someone who is very good at, at making this personal connection, at finding a way to connect with people. And so they sent Fred Rogers in a kind of Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment to just speak plainly about the value of of giving children something that they can relate to and that they can engage with. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And I feel that if we in public television can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service. Because he was saying how as a child, like his wife um, was talking of, they were afraid to be afraid as a child. They were afraid to be angry as a child. They had to hold that in because they weren't allowed to show emotions. And that can never be good to hold something in like that. And to tell kids, like, your emotions are valid. Here, here are ways to deal with that. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to have these emotions. And they are valuable. Um, because I find with a lot of, of children's shows that I have seen in part, a lot of them will, will try to present children at their best of children who are are keen listeners and understanding and when when the parents who calmly explain things to them the kids know and are able to remember that lesson later on in lots of shows and I just obviously you don't want to put shows with kids throw it's a fine line of throwing temper tantrums on screen but it is important to show like mm. if you have all of these things to pull from television your child might not react the same way they do the characters do and so for Mr. Rogers to say it's allowed to use your words to talk about how upset you are instead of being at this again just level of calm I'm having so much trouble explaining this I feel like but big feelings are good big feelings are important and they can be scary when you feel something so much and Mr. Yeah. Rogers wasn't scared of it and I I am so moved by that I wish I had watched his show as a kid yeah and kind of off of the topic of that of emotions are like you're allowed to feel these big emotions there's one scene um which both me and emma did cry when we watched this scene and it is a duet the the basis of it is i like you as you are because not only did steve rogers tell people about how to care for other people and that there's someone out there that cares for you it's also about caring for yourself right and in this duet, it's an interesting... Daniel Tiger is saying, am I a mistake? And Lady Averlyn. I'm a tiger. I'm supposed to be, like, I'm supposed to be an animal. And I'm all these things. But I'm scared and I have all these emotions. Then they sing this duet. And the friend's saying, no, like, you're not a mistake. You're great. And instead of Daniel Tiger saying, you're right. I'm not a mistake. All these things. It becomes this beautiful entwined duet of feeling these emotions and someone telling you and being there for you of how important you are and having the two things kind of intertwined because your inner thoughts are what what's there. There can be support, 
but at the same time, it doesn't just go away. Sometimes I cry and sometimes I shake, wondering isn't it true that the strong never break? I'm not like anyone else. No, I'm not like anyone else. You can't quell those doubts, so you have Daniel Striped Tiger singing, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake, and then Lady Eberlin, I have looked it up since Vince Jenny started talking. Um, <laughs> singing no I like you just as you are because your friend and she has this line where it's I do I really must tell you I do like the person that you are becoming and just understanding that you're always going to keep changing and learning and growing and then when they they start singing together as Jenny mentioned like he doesn't start singing with her Daniel is still singing sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake because you can't just quell those doubts and so even with your friend telling you no I'm not gonna leave you I care for you it's hard to turn off that part of your brain and so for mr rogers to show that i can't oh. i can't think of a show that would do that now no it's oh it's so raw and so real even though in it is was set in the make-believe section it was still real feelings and emotions and man it's so deep and it, a lot of the documentary talks of fury for what children's TV show is versus his own show. So, not Fury, but his distaste and anger of how it's not enriching for children. Yeah, you, you have um, a, a comrade Rogers talking about how so much television is there trying to turn children into consumers as quickly as possible with advertising and they, they cut to an example of you know uh, a BB gun and mm -hmm. children being told bye 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 from such a young age and his, his show isn't about that. One of the other quotes that really struck me because the documentary is linear in, in who Fred Rogers was, the creation of the mm -hmm. show until the end of its run in 2000 I believe. Um, but we're jumping all over the place. But they have a quote from the very beginning of a woman who worked on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood basically saying, if you talk to a TV producer about everything that you should do to create a successful show, Fred did the opposite every time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made it so special and what makes it so difficult to replicate because he was doing it from, I just keep saying this, from such a place of honesty and earnestness. Um, and such a, a lack of fear. I don't even know if lack of fear is the right word because they do go on later as he got older and they, when PBS brought him back, like you mentioned, to do a special for 9-11 of just, we have no context, we have no way to talk about this. We need Fred in Fredish explaining this to kids. And so I think he did have this fear of, how do I do this? How do I explain mm -hmm. this to children? Am I doing it right? Do I know how to do it? Am I doing the right thing? And who else is going to do this? Which is something I've been thinking about a lot, about how yeah. I wish that we had the resources today for children to understand all the things that yeah. are happening in the world. And you, you kind of talked about the whole consumerism part. He talks about how children are always seen as who they will be as a consumer, like not who they are. They need to be acknowledged of who they are now. And yes, they're changing and developing and you're going through things, but... 
you're always seen as a little consumer and like, here, go and buy this or all these things. And these TV shows where they throw like slime on people and they push people over and they're not telling children about self-dignity and something. I am still pretty ride or die for uh (laughs) uh-oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, well, it's true, but I never thought about it in that way. I was like, oh, that's just funny. Like, oh, yeah, okay. That's just just a fun show. But when you really think about it, if a young child is seeing this, like, what does that tell them about the world and about what people experience and what is right? And about about their value. It's telling children, oh, am I only valuable if I have the means to buy things? Am I only valuable if I can be funny, if I can be an entertainer? And they talk later on in the documentary about the, the backlash towards Mr. Rounder's neighborhood, about how he has made the generation of children he spoke to entitled because he had the unmitigated gall of saying your life has value regardless of your accomplishments or, or your place in this world. That shouldn't be a radical message, but no. it is. To hear Mr. Rogers say it, I added another point where I was just moved to tears about Mr. Rogers saying, no, I like you just as you are. Yeah, and he says he's done a lot of speeches, and one thing he says is on the topic of when I'm telling you to be special, it means... You don't have to do anything sensational for people to love you. And that's what's special, is that you don't have to be this huge thing. You don't have to go out and do the impossible. You have to... Just being yourself is enough. And people will love you. All lives have inherent value, regardless. And it's... Yeah, just saying... Even if today you didn't get out of bed or you didn't do everything you wanted to, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you be worth less. Hmm. It's special. I know. Uh, One thing they do talk about is one, four, three. Yes, my mom would do this to me, actually. (laughs) Did she? Yeah, we would do that and then we would do like the sign language uh, for well, I'll let you explain. So one, four, three, for Mister Rogers meant, I love you. For the letters, eyes one, four, love, and three is you. Um, so that was the address I think to the house, and that number kept popping up all the time. And in a bizarre, weird fashion, he was almost always one hundred and forty-three pounds, which Being is bizarre. It's yeah. a tiny man. It's a tiny man. <laughs> Um, and that ex- that expression of that love was pretty much the main message throughout because he was actually an ordained minister and his work was through early childhood TV and for telling children, he thought his mission was to tell children that they are important and special and be there for children and teach them and help them guide them through life. Yeah, literally, like, him being about to go off, Mr. Rogers about to go off to the seminary, um, and then not knowing anything about television, thinking, actually, no, I think that is a man with a calling, that, no, I think I need to do this, this thing I don't know anything about, that is yeah. a changing media, like, in the early days of home television, and him just saying, no, this is what I need to do, and religion is, is very difficult for a lot of people, but something that is always very important to me is, is having faith in something, is faith itself as a concept mm. and as a belief system and just Mr. Rogers having faith but in his religion but also faith in himself and his own ability to grow and change and mm. and knowing the the 
virtues and values that he cared about, like being empathetic and being kind and compassionate and realizing that the best way to teach that to people was to bring it to children in a entirely removed from religion, but just based in that foundation of, of love. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I'm just saying the same words over and over again, but he's just such a kind person that I'm like, it's these simple concepts of just be kind, be kind to people. And they talked about how sometimes when we, when we think of Mr. Rogers and we see things he, he did, we think he, he doesn't seem real. Like how could someone care this much and be this way? And the, the understanding of there is other people out there that are kind. And it's sad to think that someone who is kind and caring is radical to us. And that, that I, actually, I made the joke earlier about comrade Rogers, but like he, he he's not, you know, some far left socialist. He shouldn't be considered that anyways. He's just someone who wants people to be treated kindly. And he was a registered care. Republican. Oh boy, yeah, Mr. Rogers. I have so many questions. If I'm he was still alive. I wish he was still alive. Well, actually, kind of going back to the word, the word radical. The original title of the film was the Radical Mr. Rogers. However, after the election of Donald Trump, this is what it says on Wikipedia. The radical had a negative connotation, according to um, the person organizing it. So they changed the name. I did not know that yeah. at all. So it's funny that I kept saying radical because I did not know that. Um, oh, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, these, these, this radical kindness that he showed where it was just, just there for anyone who needed it. Yeah. Oh, man. And, like, the thing that continued out throughout was he said this in the very beginning, is that everything in life, everything that we do, is rooted in love or the lack of. And when you really—that is also a note that I wrote down. We already we wrote down all the same quotes. (laughs) I think both me and you are very similar. Of, we have a lot of. We we empathize a lot with people, and we really care about people, and seeing someone who put that into their career and successfully and was able to touch people's hearts and then us watching it retroactively after not even seeing the show and then seeing someone be kind it's like a lot it is so much for someone because it, it's not i i was worried that it would be a documentary for people with this nostalgic attachment to mr rogers mm. um which i just don't have i i didn't even know that his thing was sweaters until a couple years ago. Like, I, I really don't know a lot about Mr. Rogers at all. Mm. Well, now I know some. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm so continually impressed by the longevity of his career, too. They, they talk in the documentary about how he did do a, a, a break in between, about halfway through his mm-hmm. very, very long run, where he tried to do a kind of interview show for adults, and he wasn't able to connect with the audience in the same way. But then for him to be able to go back and continue his work with children and not get burnt out yeah, is incredible. Like, it's... To be able to do that same thing for so long and still care. And he did write a letter to himself that his um, widow read on the documentary of, don't get... Don't let anyone think that this was easy to do. Mm-mm. You can tell that it wasn't. Like... And the whole aspect of, won't you be my neighbor... And they kind of go into what is a neighbor? What is a neighborhood? Why is that important? And telling someone, won't you be my neighbor? Is saying, I respect you. I want you to be in my life. You are valued enough 
that I want to see you every day. We will protect each other. We are our own community. That's one of the most powerful things someone could say. Like, I know sometimes people have bad neighbors. That's like a whole other thing. But the feeling of it. That's a Zac Efron franchise. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just really liked this documentary. It, um, again, with my little research on Wikipedia... One thing that sucks is that it was never, it was pretty much, well, what was it pretty much? It was completely snubbed by the Oscars. I cannot nominated. believe how much the Academy has a distaste for Mr. Rogers inexplicably. Because, yeah. and I haven't seen this film yet, I don't know how, if you have yet either, but this year, or I guess now last year, 2019, uh, we had A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which mm-hmm. is a, not Mr. Rogers biopic, but about the last days of the production of of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and a reporter who goes to meet Miss Fred Rogers and is just so astounded by his kindness. And that premiered at TIFF this past fall. Um, and I remember the early reviews coming out because it's Mariel Heller mm-hmm. fresh off of Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was also got some Oscar recognition. I'm the Oscar. This is Emma's Oscar correspondent corner. Um, <laughs> then, and I heard astounding things about the direction in this movie is so elegant mm. it look again it's just that this the the narrative film apparently which i haven't seen yet uh does such a good job about telling mr rogers stories and showing uh portraying him as someone who was just kind um that the direction and the script looked easy but it wasn't like people were like this movie is very masterfully done and i think it's the same with this documentary mm. where you you don't realize how how difficult it must have been to make or how much work went into it because oh, yeah. Mr. Rogers makes things look so easy, makes things look so effortless, because that's just how he is. But to tell that story, you have to apply that same level of thought and detail and care. And um, anyways, where I was going with this is that the Oscars end up totally snubbing Mariel Heller and her and the writers of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and the directors. And aside from oh. Tom Hanks, it got completely snubbed at the Oscars, too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it w- ended up, as according to Wikipedia, so who knows, the top-grossing biographical documentary ever produced... And the 12th largest grossing documentary ever produced. Dang. And it was nominated for awards, not the Oscars, and was chosen by Time Magazine as one of the top 10 films of 2018. I stand by that. I definitely agree that this documentary is something I will hold dear to myself for a while. Because as a reminder of someone who truly cared and did all that they could do to make sure everyone else cared as well. And seeing that is, oh, so good. <sighs> it's a lot. I, yeah. So Emma. <laughs> I was trying the Fred Rogers interview trick where he's like, you don't say anything and you let the other person keep talking. Cause I know that I, I, I step on work, other people's words a lot. And I was like, I'm going to be like Fred and just let Jenny right? speak. <laughs> the, the importance of silence is incredible. What they said, it is a marketing technique. I remember because I got like marketing training once and they were like, yeah, silence is what they use. Um, you don't know me. Like, you don't know how my mind works. <laughs> I'll never stop <laughs> talking. Oh, wait, that's exactly what they want. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So what was your overall thoughts? Um, um, it was so comforting. And like I mentioned before, I really appreciated just the, the level of empathy they showed towards... Fred Rogers and the impact he had on people. They do interviews with Yo-Yo Ma and producers and his family and just diving into 
it's just does such a good job of showing Mr. Rogers as a, as a whole person and how all of these characters in the neighborhood of make believe make up different aspects of his personality and it it's so insightful and it it shows how well loved and respected he is in these interviews with people like Yo-Yo Ma and and producers and the people who are you know running the Mr. Rogers Foundation or company now and his wife and his children and one thing that uh, I was really struck with was you have the actor who played Officer Clemens, uh, how it didn't shy from the fact that Mr. Rogers was also continually growing. Like they mentioned that the fact that the actor who played Officer Clemens was an openly gay man, um, an openly gay black man. And how Mr. Rogers wasn't open to that at all. He was like, you cannot be gay if you are on my show. But then reaching out to that man a few years down the road and saying, no, I love you. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I care about you. And just, yeah, the fact that Mr. Rogers was someone who cared about people and was willing to learn and grow and change and reach out to anyone who needed, needed it, needed mm -hmm. someone to listen to them. Yeah. I, I'm so moved by, and I, uh, <laughs> I rented it on the Cineplex store, and uh, when I was visiting my parents at Christmas, I logged into my Cineplex account on their TV, and my dad was joking about how he was going to use up all my scene points earlier in the week, so I texted him and was like, you're still not allowed to use my scene points, but go on the Cineplex store right now on your TV and watch Are You My Neighbor? So I hope he did. I need yeah. to follow up with my parents and be like, did you yeah. watch the Mr. Rogers documentary? Because you'll you feel better. Um... Yeah, I feel that. I watched it, and I was really, really tired, and I was like, maybe I'll only watch half, and then I'll go to bed, and I just, I couldn't turn it off, and not because it was a thrill ride, but just because it was engaging and comforting, mm -hmm. and I, I woke up the next morning weirdly early, like, I usually get up between 7, 38 o'clock, and I woke up at 6, and I just watched it again. <laughs> oh, I really wanted to rewatch it. The sucky thing is, is that it's not on Netflix anymore, which is very sad. So we had to get online. I did have it on hold at the library, but the library is closed, obviously. So cineplex.com, we got it. I may actually just end up buying it if I need to feel my heart warm, but also a little sad. This is the perfect movie. It, it's comfort food movie. It's a comfort food movie, but in a different way than things I usually watch to feel better, like uh, Legally Blonde or Dirty Dancing or something. It's something mm -hmm. I, I can watch and be like, it's a reminder of what human beings are capable of and what our capacity for kindness is. So I watched yeah. it and was like, oh, times are uncertain. Let me find someone I can help. Like he says, yeah. look for the helpers. And it, you watch this documentary and if you're stuck at home, you can watch this, have, rest your body, rest your heart, and then after the movie ends, think, I'm ready to go do something now. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's really good, Jenny. Thank I, uh, I had heard so many wonderful things about this, and I would never have watched it if you hadn't, because again, I just don't watch documentaries, and I'm so glad I watched this one. Yeah, same, like, like when I was in the summer, it was just something that I thought, one, I've wanted to see this, so, and it's here. Two, this is someone else's Netflix account, so be careful what you watch. Three, you don't want to sure, why not? <laughs> and it was one of the best decisions I've made. And I remember one other thing, where I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone in the production crew of this documentary, because uh, the last documentary I did watch was one that my roommate had on uh, about rock climbers, and I was 
Anyways, I was thinking about, and I think a lot of documentaries I have heard of, but not seen, because I don't watch documentaries, um, are focused on, like, a specific event, and, um, like, having a documentary crew follow you people around leading up to that specific event. Like, I was thinking about, like, yeah. <laughs> the last documentary I watched was Miss Americana about Taylor Swift, and where she had documentary crews follow her for a year, leading up to her mm-hmm. deciding to be more political, or with this rock climbing about following this man as he did this very impressive climb in Yosemite. Mm. Um, so I just want to give a shout-out to the production crew for, you know, telling a, a complete narrative about a man's life and his work, but uh, obviously having to go through a ton of archival footage and finding these oh, people yeah. to interview and cultivating you know, this, this community where people felt safe to tell their stories and their experiences and not, oh, not, yeah. not even say sorry, but just comfortable to share those things. And so I wanted to give a shout out mm-hmm. to this documentary crew for, for pulling together a, a really compelling story. Oh yeah. About one man's yeah. life. It was just really good. Man. <sighs> so every week we do the star chart chase where, um, the person who got the recommendation gives the recommendator is that the word? Um, a star from out of five, um, how good their recommendation was. Either was it good for them? There could be so many other reasons you could say why it's good for culture, why it's good for them personally, was a good recommendation for them, anything like that. Um, so Emma, what are you giving? Won't you be my neighbor? I was thinking of this. I'm, I'm glad that we ended up actually talking about the lost pilot of Have You Heard Of? Because like I mentioned, Jenny and I were ready to, to talk about things that we didn't like, because I, I think we were both very unwilling to step on the other person's toes when, and then as we thought about it more and thought about the format of the show, we're like, no, we've been friends for years and years. We know yeah. each other very well. We know each other's tastes and thoughts. So I'm not afraid now to talk about something I didn't like, and I'm kind of looking forward to an episode we do where the other person doesn't agree because I think that'll be a really interesting conversation. That being said, I wasn't expecting it to happen this week because I didn't think I was going to be, you know, that that person who's like, uh, actually, I didn't like the Mr. Rogers documentary. <laughs> I thought it was... Like, no, who am I kidding? I watched this and I was like, this is not something I would ever watch, but I know I'm going to love it. And I did. You get the first five stars, Jenny. <laughs> oh, it, only t- it only took us four episodes. Like, it was so good, Jenny. I'm going to watch this again, 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 again. Because oh. it is it is culturally important. It is emotionally important it is now personally important to me it's great oh my oh my goodness thanks hon oh i mean i agree it is a five star it is so good like honestly if anyone's listening if you haven't seen this documentary yet do yourself and humanity a favor and just acquire it and consume it and just feel empowered it's just so powerful since we're together we might as well say would you be mine could you be mine won't you be my neighbor won't you please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor well, thanks. You'll fit. I'm glad you would liked it. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just have to hold off until that day that we, we eventually disagree because it certainly wasn't coming to I week. know. We're doing so well with things that we like. I feel like we may have to do... Like, I definitely have stuff I like that I know you will not like. So I may have to bring those forward. All right, we'll see how that goes. We gotta, we gotta plan our next month's schedule still. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, lovely. So... Um, for a little activity, 
it's going to be, like I said, and like this entire video, a lot different than the other ones. Um, the last couple ones we've done quizzes and games and questions and all that stuff. This is a bit different. Um, so at the end of the movie, they talk about how Mr. Rogers would do a speech at the end. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to send you, because it is on YouTube, the three minutes of the ending of the movie. And I will put in a little clip now of what that is. Let's just take some time to think of those extra special people. Mm. Some of them may be right here. Some may be far away. Some may even be in heaven. No matter where they are, deep down, you know they've always wanted what was best for you. They've always cared about you beyond measure and have encouraged you to be true to the best within you. This week, in the spirit of that, and in the spirit of silence, and I know this is an audio medium, I think we should take a minute to just think of exactly what Mr. Rogers asked us to. Okay. And I'm going to keep watch, okay? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay, it's been a minute. Okay. We don't need to share who we thought of. We can if we want. But I think this type of exercise is something I need to do more. Mm-hmm. And just realizing, like, like just how many people just care. They Like, even small things. People show that how they care in different ways, but they've just... Someone who's made you smile and someone who's actually asked you, like, Hey, are you okay? Like, oh, boy... Boy? That's not a word? That was my and boy together. Boy! Oh! Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I was watching the documentary the other day, I, I was thinking about who uh, who was kind of my person. So when we just did that, I was like, okay, who else? Yeah. And there's so many people who I can think of, and that's a really lucky thing to have. Exactly. It's a really lucky thing to have. 
Anywho, I feel so, so now dumb. that's the end. <laughs> Go watch this movie, y'all. Or yeah. also, because we're, we're in the end of the episode now, if you have more documentary recommendations, Jenny and I are both going to be spending a lot of time at home in the next couple weeks, along with mm-hmm. literally the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so you can send those recommendations to us at Hi-Ho Podcast on Twitter or email them to us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com. That is H Y H O podcast. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. That'd be great. Give us a like on iTunes. Is that what it is? Who knows? Don't. Uh, can you like on it? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts now. Um, and yeah. follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. Engage, please. It would be so exciting. Oh, liking. Yeah, like re- leave a review if that's a thing you can do because that's what I all hear other podcasters asking for. Give yeah. us a, a, a favorable, please, <laughs> review. Uh, and help other people listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's listened yeah. so far. It and makes us we'll feel be, cool. We'll be back in two weeks um, with Emma's next recommendation. Um, we kind of said it briefly, but we haven't really talked concretely about it. We're going to try to do the podcast every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, that may change as some of us may have a lot more time on our hands. So it may become more frequent, but currently we are... Two weeks is what we can do. Two weeks. So that's what we're doing. All right. Have a nice night, everybody. Yeah. And remember, just like yourself. Like what you like. Your opinion is valid, as long as it's the same as mine. But in the spirit of Mr. Rogers, yeah, it's just straight up valid this week. You're right. Everybody's yeah. right. Everybody's right. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah. One, four, three. I like you just as you are, Jenny. Oh, I like you. <laughs> <laughs>